I am back from Bali and from Vietnam. We never made it to the two other countries that we were trying to attend to. I was supposed to go to Bali, Cambodia, Thailand, and Vietnam. But we arrived into Vietnam, and on our first morning there, my father, myself, and our friend, he had a heart attack, my, my dad's friend that we brought along on the trip. And let me tell you, man, the very first morning when you wake up after international travel, I mean, you're looking at 12-hour time change, right? So you wake up at like 3 a.m. in the morning, and for you, that's already going into the evening from the previous day, right? Because you're sort of moving ahead in time because they're a day ahead. So you are completely messed up for the first three, you know, two to three days for sure. But the first morning, you're definitely messed up. So him and I woke up uh, at 3 a.m., and he was having a beer, and he was having a smoke, and we just sat up. We watched the sun come up, um, and around 6 o'clock in the morning, he started to have chest pains. And, you know, for me, I, I immediately was like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. You know, we, we're, we're traveling. Like, of course, you're going to have some things going on. So, you know, it could, could be whatever. It's probably just the time change. So it continued on for about half an hour, and then I started to Google. I was like, all right, like, well, what's going on here? And one of the things that came up when I was Googling chest pains was uh, acid reflux. So I had mentioned that to him. I was like, man, it's probably just acid reflux because there was no way I was going to think that this man was going to have a heart attack on the first morning there. So I started to walk to uh, to get some meds, which was, you know, we're in a, let, let, me, let me paint this picture for you here. We're in a small town in Vietnam. We're, we're in a place called Hazyang. And we went to Hazyang first because the first thing we were going to do was do a seven-day motorcycle tour. Now, Vietnam is a place that I've been to uh, before in my life, and it, it is one of the most magical places on the planet. It, it's just, it's so beautiful there. The, the people are so kind. The prices are so reasonable. You know, if you're bringing dollars to, to this country, you're, you're going to have a wonderful time with very little. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a place that I love. And, and the Hazyang Loop, they call it, is, is uh, a tour you can take with a motorcycle. So I did it last year, and I went to do it again this year with my father and his friend. This was the whole thing. The whole trip was centered around this one thing. And that's how we were going to start the whole trip. So we're in this tiny little town, you know, that thankfully had a hospital. Uh, and I started to walk to get some pharmaceuticals for him, thinking about the acid reflux. And I started walking there and I was like, man, it's, it's kind of far. I better go back, you know. I better go back and get a little moto or something and then take the bike there. And, and when I got back, there was serious issues happening. You know, there was some... Um, his, his right arm was starting to tingle. So we knew we were in trouble and no one speaks English. So not no one, but very few people. And the place that we were staying at, there was no one home. It, the, the, the lady that hosts the Airbnb, I know her. So she wasn't there for the weekend, but I had access to get into the house. So here we are, we're in her house on the first morning and our friend is having a heart attack and no one's there. <laughs> and we're like, holy shit. But by the grace of something more, the neighbor came over and he was kind of seeing that, you know, my dad was like checking my friend, checking around. And he he called uh, the homeowner, my friend who owns the Airbnb, because I was still on my way back from getting the pharmaceuticals at this point. And she had spoke to my father and said, what's going on? And he said, we need to go to the hospital right now. And thankfully, the, the neighbor grabbed the keys for her car and he 
got us in the car, all three of us. Well, I, I walked back when all this was happening and I was like, holy shit, like this is big. Like what is, what's going on here? And my dad says like, we're going to the hospital right now. I was like, holy shit. Like I'm in the front seat of the car. Like, is this happening right now? Like, are you kidding me? On the first day, the man's going to have a heart attack. Like there's so many things running through my mind at this point. Like I, you know, like here we are on our way to this hospital in this little town in Vietnam and the man's having a heart attack. So we get there. The guy gets us to the hospital. Right away, we walk in. They they see his color. They sit him down. There was a bunch of people in the waiting room, too. I felt so bad. I felt like, oh, my gosh, is it because we're white? You know, like I, all these people in this small town, they've all got problems. And, like, you know, three white guys walk in the door. And it's, like, right in. And, and you know, whatever you need, anything you need, we're going to do it for you. And I'm like, oh, shit. I felt so bad for the locals. But it wasn't that. It was because of his color. It was because of the way it was looked. I was just so like translucent to the whole situation that was going on. You know, I just thought like, okay, we'll come for a checkup. But these guys were like on it right away. And, you know, we sit them down and they're, they're looking at me, like talking to me and, and obviously they're speaking Vietnamese and they're looking at me like I should be speaking Vietnamese. You know what I mean? So we, I pump the phone out, jump on Google translate, which hint to you for those that are traveling internationally, always download offline maps uh, this time I actually bought a SIM card in the country that I went to. I don't usually do that because I don't advocate for using your phone when you're on holidays. Uh, but I had my dad and his buddy there, so I wanted to make the, everything easy for them. So I did that, which I'm very grateful for, because that phone and that little SIM card for that country came in very handy. But yeah, we we uh, were in the waiting room, or in the screening room, I should say. Uh, tiny little room, you know, like old school little hospital. And uh, they say to me, like... Uh, through Google Translate, like he's having a heart attack, he's going into cardiac arrest. Do you have insurance? And we're like, well, yeah, shit, yeah, we got insurance. And they're like, we need to speak to the insurance company. All this is done through Google Translate. So we try and get a hold of them. And you can expect how that went. You pay for insurance on a holiday, and lo and behold, the insurance company has a policy that you have to check off for global communications. They sold us the insurance policy knowing we were going to Vietnam, but they never once told us about a global communication box check. That's all it was. All you had to do was check the box, which would allow hospitals in other countries to communicate directly with them so they would pay the bill. So what that means is we're paying and they don't give a shit. And when you get home, we'll work it out if the policy covers you. And now we're like, what? Like the insurance company is not backing us. He's having a heart attack. They're not going to perform surgery or do anything until we have some sort of policy in place between us, the hospital and insurance company. So my buddy's laying on the stretcher and I mean, he's in bad shape. Like that, that oh, something I'll never forget, you know? Um, geez, man, heart attack's a real thing you know, um, take care of yourself out there. Like life, life is short. Right. But seeing him in the, in that state, you know, he's a, he's a bigger guy, uh, biker kind of guy, you know, like tough exterior, um, went through a lot when he was younger, but nice man, very, very nice man. But, uh, yeah, he had this thing come on and, and I just remember seeing him on that stretcher, like this, like, you know, everyone was freaking out. They told us like, he's going to die. And, we're, and then I was like, what? Like, you know, like what is happening right now? And this is all happening within like 45 minutes. 
you know, from the time that the chest pains came on to getting in the car to getting into the screening room to being into an office after the screening room and we couldn't get a hold of the insurance company. Now I'm in like a like in in like a boardroom beside where the emergency observation is, which is just like completely insane to think about. You know, they, they basically have one large table in a room covered with glass and on both sides are extreme cases of chaos uh, happening within people's lives. It, it was nuts. And then they have me sitting down at this boardroom, everything Google Translate, and they're like, we need you to accept this responsibility, sign all your friends' papers, you're 100% liable, like you need to figure out your insurance company and we need to know you have money right now. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, okay, bring it all to me. Like, let me figure this out. And, you know, just in the moment, you you, you step up, right? Like, you, you can't step down. You can't be afraid. Like, I brought these two individuals on this trip. And uh, they're like, well, my father's family to me, obviously. But, like, we're, we're family, right? Like, we're, we're, on, uh, we're on a trip together. This is my responsibility. I got to step up. So, you know, I, I for me, high-stress situations with living a life of 23 years of addiction are something that I've, you know, come to really see as an asset like I just I just go into this other kind of state when when things are going crazy around me like I'm just good with it you know I'm 100% clear in my thinking and what I'm able to do even though everything is like extremely heavy around me but it's it's okay because I just know like just attack one small portion of it at a time policy liability insurance company my friend surgeon you know uh procedures treatment costs bang okay got it like now I got the whole picture I got everything clear this is what my options are this is what I got to do this is how I get my friend into surgery right now you know so when you're able to like think logically and move past through the fear because you have to in any situation that's a choice so I had a choice in that moment to you know just let this thing overcome our situation or step up and and uh you know be responsible for what I can be responsible for. And that's what I did. And and I share that because, you know, we all have that choice in life. Whatever the situation, it doesn't have to be a heart attack in Vietnam. I mean, it can be anything. Whatever you are facing in life, you have a choice how you approach that decision. You know, and I make mistakes in my life too. I, I, I don't have it all figured out, but uh, I'm certainly open to talking about that, you know, and not being this individual who uh, navigates through life pretending to have it all figured out because I don't I make mistakes in my life often but I, I I try to learn from them you know what I mean and I'm okay to say and admit that I, I make mistakes in my life uh fortunately in this situation I did not make any mistakes and my buddy was in um surgery within um you know we had him in there within an hour he had 30 minutes uh, less than that it must have been like 45 minutes or something like that but they told us he had 30 minutes um before we got to the hospital and he would have been dead they wouldn't have been able to save him so 30 minute window man like and i think about the things that lined up like you know walking to get the pharmacy the pharmaceuticals and then halfway there something told me i was like man turn around you know go back like this is going to take too long and as i went back the neighbor's over there and you know he's helping my dad and i'm like what the, like what's going on over here you know and Everything was so beautiful in the synchronicities of how it all worked out. It, it puts so much more of my faith in the universe and in things that um, I cannot control, you know, because there is something outside of me that I can control. 
uh, and that's the desire and will to ask for it. Because as I was walking, I will, I will tell you this, as I was walking to get the pharmaceuticals, I said a little prayer, <laughs> you know, I, I, I did. I, I said a little prayer uh, to the great spirit, which is, is for me how I see it. You know, the air spirit, earth spirit, water spirit, and fire spirit, you know, and, and I just asked the great spirit, I said, hey, look out for us on this one. Can you, can you watch over my friend? You know, I, I don't usually ever ask for anything um, or speak for things external for me because I always want to manifest them on my own and, and make what I need happen. But this was something external for me and I, I needed help in this situation. So I asked for it and, you know, walking to the pharmaceutical company, I had something come on my mind, say, go back. And I was like, okay. So I turned around, I went back. Thankfully I did, because if I would have kept going to the pharmaceutical company, they wouldn't have made it. You know, they, it would have taken me longer than 30 minutes to get there and back. And the neighbor just, you know, out of nowhere coming over and asking my dad, you know, if he needs any help, like that in itself was just, you know, mind boggling to how the synchronicities work in this life. So what I'm trying to talk to you about is I asked for something, but I did it with an intention. Now, with the things that have happened to me in my life, um, you know, asking love into my life when I was in the jail cell, for those of you that don't know, I was 23 year, uh, drug addict, um, homeless for years, 16 years with a needle, you know, life for me was very interesting in, in its, um, in its journey. It was extremely difficult, but I was in a jail cell um, three and a half years ago and I was reading a book and uh, the book had was speaking about another man's life and, and he had asked love into his life and I did the same thing. And, and overnight I became a different person, you know, just by speaking words with intention behind them. You know, I was at my bottom. I was in a moment where I needed something because I had nothing and I had no one and I'd lost myself. So I did that. So my connection to spirituality through that interpretation of what happened to me is something I cannot ignore. I, I cannot deny it and I cannot ignore it. So my mind became completely clear and completely open with an understanding to something more than us. So I guess that's a perfect time to tell you that my friend um, died uh, in Vietnam. He was in the surgical room, um, just about to have uh, the stint put into his heart, and they lost him. So he, he went down. Um, they brought him back. Spoiler alert, they brought him back. Uh, but yeah, he did die in that moment. Uh, they gave him a defibrillator after they put the stint in, and they brought him back to life. But what he told me after that moment we, we were free from all the hospitals and free from everything, is that, and he was a little nervous about this. He was a little shy to tell us because he's not this kind of guy, but he said, guys, I got to tell you something. And we said, what? He's like, on the operating table, he's like, when I died, he said, I saw the light. He said, I saw a light so bright, I, I didn't really know what to think. He said, but the next thing I noticed, I was standing beside the bed. And I was looking at myself on the bed. And he said, everything was just clear and peaceful. And I said, okay. 
And he's, he felt really weird and awkward about telling us, which is, I think is so crazy. It's like, you know, this stuff is so real. And this is not the first time I've heard this. But uh, to hear it directly from my friend and be in the same place where he was at that time when that happened was a pretty magical moment. So what that tells me and what I told him was that is an observation that there's no such thing as death. Because consciousness is everlasting. You know, it's, it's a part of us. It's, it's who we are uh, as an essence. The physical body is the vessel that houses the soul, right? And the soul just comes here to the physical earth to learn things. And we do that through experiences and emotions and connections. But ultimately, once this journey is over, the soul then takes the education back to the fifth dimension or our fifth density, and we carry on with our personal growth again. And likely we will come back and do it again if you didn't learn what you were here to learn. So very important education to be giving you. And, you know, take what you want from that. But one of the greatest fears on, of people on the planet is death. And I thought that was a beautiful thing to share and to be witness of and to be a part of because it's real, you know? He's not unique. He's not special. He's not the only one that this has happened to. This happens quite often, actually. If you look into it, um, near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences, these kind of things usually happening, centralizing around a death, um, they're real. And, and I want you to know that because I don't want you to be afraid of it. You know, we're just fed an idea by religions that we need to fear death because there's two places we'll have to go after this life. One is heaven, one is hell, which is a complete misconception. Heaven and hell exist right now, right here. It's a perception of reality. You know, you want to live in hell? I did myself for 23 years uh, as a drug addict. Everything I perceived was to be negative and was happening to me. Everything was, you know, blame and victim mentality, which had me living in hell, what I perceived as hell. I, you know, everything was happening to me. That's not the way it is. Because once I came into love and an understanding of love, then I found heaven. And that happens right here in the physical earth because you change your perspective and you change the way you see reality. And it's so beautiful, man. It is so beautiful. And, and you know, I saw that man's perspective change uh, that day. He was asking me many questions about spirituality. He wanted to know so much information. He was so open to receive because he'd seen something. Sometimes, you know, that's what we need in this life is to see it with our own eyes. But to believe is a whole nother thing, you know. Uh, none of us have seen God, but yet we believe. You know, religion is the biggest thing controlling people on the planet because people are believing in something they haven't seen. Uh, or, you know, maybe have seen it because I'm thinking about myself in this moment as I say that. It's like, okay, I have seen it. I have seen God. But God is not external from me, you know. God lives within all of us. That's where it is. It's in your heart. That's the spirit. That's what it is. God is just love. That's all it is. Doesn't matter what religion you're you're practicing. Doesn't matter who you're following. Whatever you're following is love. That's the core fundamental of life. Of the essence of a soul is just love. And all of that is found inside of you. And I think that when we're able to open that up within us, we remember. You know, take myself for example, like man, like everything changed in my life because I remembered love and I remember what it meant. I remember where I came from, all this knowledge and wisdom and information from past lives and, 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 and just, you know, something above me 
uh, just put it that way, just the way we can talk about it, like will allow you to connect to it. And that man saw that that day. So yeah, cool. It was uh, very beautiful, very, very interesting thing to share. And you know, it's not like you can't obtain that. I mean, I was in a jail cell, homeless, in prison, you know, a drug addict. Just a guy where society, by society's standards, you know, this current system that we're living in, they told me that I was at the very bottom. You know, so a guy at the very bottom of what is defined as successful or what's defined as normal uh, found it. And I think that that's kind of when we do find it, is when we're ready. When we're ready to break free from the cycles and the patterns that we're in and we want something more. And I've always wanted something more in my life. I just didn't know what it was till I surrendered <laughs> and I got out of my own way. You know, uh, my friend surrendered as well, but uh, it was against his free will. His, his heart stopped working. But within that moment, he remembered. He remembered something more because it was shown to him. So you can show yourself or you can have it be shown to you, you know, however you want it to work out. But I would prefer you to choose to look for it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> rather than have it shown to you because uh and let me tell you have that shit shown to you in vietnam oh my lord man uh after he got uh out of that small hospital we had to be medevac to another city six hours south uh to a larger city called hanoi and then we continued our hospital stay for another seven days because he had to have another surgery down there and get two more heart stints put in because his heart had been abused because he has a very large heart and he gives so much of himself away now eating habits sleep patterns uh you know behaviors that he carries within his life i'm sure they weren't they were detrimental to his heart as well but the man's got a large heart and uh he gives so much of himself away to other people but he also stores an immense amount of stress and emotions that he doesn't communicate about and we talked about this and I already told him I was going to share about the trip and, and share about the situation on the podcast. So um, that I just want to just talk about that because I'm not, I never talk about somebody's situation or, or anything without communicating with them first. But we did have this conversation and I and, you know, it's beneficial to share about this kind of stuff because we went through it and we hap it happened and we learned so much. Like I learned so much about uh, the, the medical system and just uh, more internal knowledge that I, I gained from listening to the professionals in and around this, but stress and not communicating about emotions were the number one factor, uh, second to smoking, sorry. Uh, but yeah, smoking was number one. And, and the second one was uh, the stress and the emotional inability to communicate. So emotions are energy, right? And if we don't talk about how we feel, then we just store that energy. Like you have to do something with energy. It has to transmute. You know, you have to release it or you store it. It's just the way it is, right? So if you're not communicating about how you feel and you're carrying stress, which is an inability to communicate how you feel, uh, then you're going to store that and it's going to break this body down because it blocks the flow of energy within the body. So if energy flows in from the crown and out through the root chakra, which is by the feet, it is going to create an immense amount of blockage within that flow and it tends to break down the body and we can see this you know within poor health practices uh everywhere uh emotions uh, food and sleep would be the three major factors of uh health implications in my opinion 
And, you know, you can challenge that all you want, but take a look at our, 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 uh, our general practitioner system. General practitioners these days don't communicate about how you feel. Therapists are overbooked and overpriced and in most cases not working because there's an inability to, to create a connection of trust and respect. And uh, that alleviates an individual from truly communicating about how they feel. You know, you can go to therapy and, and talk about some things and, and feel better in, in the moment. But the core root of the problem, like the childhood emotional traumas, are difficult to come up because there can't be a connection uh, established due to an inability uh, of trust and respect. So I'm not taking away from those things because, yes, I do know that they work. Absolutely. But uh, it's the way the system's designed. It's the way we do it. It's centralized around profit. So profit gets in the way of uh, healing often, you know, because if you don't have the money, then you don't get to heal. That's what I'm saying about uh, with our, our current therapeutic um, system that we have going on to me. And the general practitioner system uh, is glorified drug dealers for pharmaceutical companies. You can challenge that all day you, if you want, but it's the truth. And you know what? They're shitty drug dealers because they often don't prescribe the correct drugs or they give you the cheap shit that doesn't work as well as the other ones. And by what I mean, what I mean by not work as well as a, as a name brand drug is that the the ingredients that go into a generic brand work differently with the biochemistry within a human. So the side effects could be much greater. It could affect you in much more ways than a name brand drug. I don't advocate for either one. Personally, you know, for me, it's just therapy, good food. Uh, and by therapy, I mean self-love, self-care, good sleep practices, and 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 clean water, nothing from the tap. You know, that's that's how you heal, man, right? Be vulnerable, communicate. That's it. And I'm telling you, if you're carrying broke-down diseases and broke-down stress, there's many people out there who have cured insane diseases with therapy, self-love, self-care, and, and ability to communicate. And go deep inside and, and alleviate the core problem and allow the energy to flow through your body and transmute into something beautiful. And that's the truth. That That's the absolute truth. And my podcast these days are going to start talking more like this because I feel like I have to. I feel like I've been holding back a little bit and and not really talking about the things that you know I truly want to talk about. I, I mean, I, obviously I talk about the things I want to talk about for sure, but I think I want to step it up. You know, there's there's some things going on in the world, like, you know, just, just this idea we have about putting faith into people with academic labels, you know, and, 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 and into professionals, and they're not being professional, you know, they're not telling us the truth, and the truth is everything, and, and that's what we should be living our lives around, is seeking the truth and understanding the truth, and I feel like if we keep going the way we're going with our current rate of society, we're going to be medicated at eight years old because they're already putting children on depression medication at 12 years old so we've progressed from that point in 20 years so in 20 years ago they used to put kids on depression medication at 16 here we are 20 years later it's now 12 years old like where are we in 10 more years because we've progressed this much so that's why i want to communicate this way and that's why i really want to inspire you to communicate to others about how you feel about things as well because I know we're thinking it and if we're not thinking about it take a look at what takes your time and energy in your life you know where are you putting your attention because these things are so important because mind body soul 
If you don't have one of these three things, the other two break down. So it, it it's just about self-love and self-care. That's That's everything. Because if we're to love another individual, then we have to love ourselves first. If we're to care for another individual, we have to learn how to care for ourselves first. And that's a requirement. And that's a fact. And, and we're so often giving so much of ourselves away to everyone else that we forget to take time for ourselves. And you know what? Myself included. I can admit that. You know, I do that. I do do that in my life. And I have to take a step back. And I have to understand that I need to be building up the love and light and the energy within myself so I can distribute that and still have enough balance and stability within my own life to care for myself. And and you know what? This journey for me is new. You know, I spent 23 years destroying myself and now I'm in this position uh, with all this knowledge and all this, like, it's just this drive of purpose within my mind. It's insane. It's like somebody turned me on or like somehow my purpose like just was discovered and it was like, okay, this is what you do now. You're going to go, you're going to talk to the people, you're going to inspire them, you're going to remind them of their power, you're going to remind them of love and you're going to remind them of community and you're going to remind them what they can do in this life and it doesn't end in my mind and in my heart and in my soul. It's amazing. It is so amazing but it's been a lot uh, just because, you know, you're shit like... Sometimes there's no teachers. You know, you think about school. It's like, man, school will make you an employee. Like, holy shit, school totally tricked me. Not that I gave it too much attention. I, I did well in it, don't get me wrong. But uh, I didn't give it too much attention. But geez, man, that, that, that totally tricked me. Like, they just wanted me to make money and, and be a cog in a wheel for a machine that just generates profit for itself. Like, where where was somebody telling me how powerful I was and reminding me of, like, the, the ability to connect with my brothers and sisters through this force of energy called love and is so powerful. Like, where was someone telling me that? Like, why was no one telling me that, you know? And I know why no one was telling me that. It's because the education system is controlled by the government and the government doesn't want us to know how powerful we are. And that's the truth. That's the absolute truth. We're living in a world that is inspired by fear. And it's, it's manipulated into everything, films, television, radio, newspapers, social media, fear, 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 fear. Everything is, is bad with the world and, you know, humans against humans, humans against humans. It's like, it's all we promote, but you know what? There's humans that are out here for love. And there's been many humans before that have only been for love. It's just where we put our attention and where we put our time. And we, I realize that we are manipulated into an education system where you got to go to school. I get it. Like, you know, somebody's got to watch the kids while the parents are at work for 12 hours. I mean, that's the way it is these days, right? Like, you're free to work all day <laughs> and most of your night. So we better have a babysitter for the kids. And you know what? We're going to need new workers. So we better you know, indoctrinate these children into knowing that they're never going to be able to afford anything. So they better get a job that's going to cover everything because you're going to be bound to debt for the rest of your life. That's what I learned in school. At a very young age. And I was like, what a waste of time this is. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I caught on to that real quick. I enjoyed teachers. I enjoyed teachers that were cool that that like 
didn't come to school with some authoritarian, some emotional trauma from their childhood, you know? Uh, I had some really cool ones, which is why I did really well in school. Uh, I was also very personable, and even though I was a drug addict, you know, I, I wasn't shy about, like, just being myself, right? Like, I, I was always myself, even as a drug addict, kind of, you know what I mean? I just always had a personality. Um, so I, I did well with the connection within that, and I, and I thought it was cool that, you know, people were giving their lives to, to spend time with some kids that they don't know and put up with a whole bunch of shit with like 30 kids in a classroom. Man, I can't even imagine the teachers these days all oh, with social media and the way like the way kids are today. They're just so young, but like they act so much older. And I mean, people said that when we were kids, but shit, man, these days, man, kids be cussing things out like real young, <laughs> you know, like real young. And then just be telling people how they feel because they don't give a shit and they don't want to be there. And, and I think it's because this social media allows you access to things you just shouldn't have access to at a young age, you know, or at least have some guidance and, and education around what you're viewing, you know, but more often than not, kids these days, they got cell phones when they're eight years old and there's no supervision with that because it's, you know, normal. Yeah. Kids crying. Give them a cell phone. What's he watching? I don't know. Oh, it's he's watching some YouTube child show or whatever that's completely programming him to attach to distracting from how he feels through avenues external from him. Rather than communicating, we just chuck devices in kids' hands these days and we expect the device to take care of it. And you know what? The device will take care of it. It will take care of the problem. But you know what? It's going to instill an immense amount of problem in those children for the rest of their lives. It's an addiction. It is. And it causes um, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-esteem, because there's no one to talk to, right? And then there is social issues as well. As humans, we're tribal, man. Like, we're here to communicate. We're here to connect. And connecting seems to be so foreign these days. And why is that? It's because we're always plugged in. We're always glued to the phone. And something I wanted to talk about on this episode was the phone because it's just, it's so much, man. It breaks my heart. Like, it breaks my heart to see how much we're plugged in all the time. I mean, people don't have nothing to do sitting on the bus. They're just phone, 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 sitting on the train, phone, 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 phone. It's like, wow. Like, do you realize what you're doing to your psychological pattern right now? Like, it's completely detrimental. You're missing the world around you. Look out the window. You know, smile at somebody sitting next to you. Say hello to someone. Tell someone they got nice shoes. I don't know. Make something up for whatever reason just to connect and to teach yourself how to do that. But most people are afraid to even take that chance because they've taught themselves so many poor practices within psychological patterns of distracting from even communicating with other people, which is why we have such a large amount of, of uh, social communication issues. And within young people, but not just within young people, it's within 30, 40 year olds as well, because my generation was the one just entering into the um, whole social media world. So, you know, half fell deep in, half are still half in, half out kind of thing, you know? Yeah, so take what holds you back and teach to those around you. You don't have to have kids to do that. You know, you can talk about how you feel to anyone, um, take in the surroundings of, of where you are and and what you're doing, you know, and, and uh, share about that. Just be human, man. Be human. It, it takes so little to be human. All you gotta do is be kind. 
see your brothers and sisters for being a brother and sister, you know? That's so important to just see each other, you know, as another human being. And if you see somebody that's struggling with mental health or is having a bad day, put yourself in their shoes, you know, see them where they're at. You had a bad day in your life? Of course you have, you know? You know what I do when I run into people like that? I try and make them smile. Always, I always try and break it down and I always try and help them see the positives, you know, with whatever they're going through, if they're willing to talk. If they're not, I can respect that too. And uh, it's just about reading energy, right? Just about being able to read your brothers and sisters as well. And how do you do that? Take a look at your own life. You know, take a look at your own life. Just put yourself in, in their shoes and uh, and grow with that. I'm kind of off today, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about that too because normally I wouldn't talk about that. But you know what? Now I'm going to talk about it because it's okay to be off. It's it's totally okay. I just, I'm moving. I got so much shit going on in my life right now. Like, oh man, I got a lot of shit going on in my life. I'm moving five hours north. My company is based out of a city in Canada called Vancouver, British Columbia. And I'm moving five hours north to a town of 500. So I have no clientele. I have no, no, no base for financial income up there. But I'm going up there to write a book uh, for the winter and uh, to write five more children's books so I can put a, a collection of conscious bedtime stories together. Um, basically promoting... Um, processing emotional traumas, communicating about how you feel, and all the things that I would have wanted to learn when I was a kid, you know? Like learning from other people, connections, community, breath work, things like this. But I, I write them in a way that um, both the parent and the child can learn. So I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm going to take six months, and I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to grow this podcast to something very beautiful. I need to expand my horizons, and I need to take a step back from the city and go to a small town and take a chance on myself. Because uh, it's time to invest in myself again. And do I have total and utmost faith in this without having any clue? Absolutely. Because I believe in it and I believe in myself. And I got a little bit of money, so I'm okay um, for, you know, six months. And then I don't care. You know what I mean? It's it's just going to come. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't stress about money. Like, I know I have an ability to just make it happen, you know? So no matter what, if, if push comes to shove, I trust in myself and I believe in myself so much that I know I'll make anything work at any time and anywhere. That's what Vietnam taught me as well. You know, but I already knew it because I survived my addiction, right? Um, and I made it through hell. I made it through hell with that one. That was some crazy shit in my life, that addiction. Uh, just just because of the situations and circumstances that you put yourself in and, and, and it just teaches you how much you can persevere. Like I, I can I can take a lot. Like I can go through a lot in my life. And you know what? No matter what, no matter what situation I was in, didn't matter what it was, what I was facing, if I had to walk in the winter in Toronto, which means like minus 25, minus 30 in my shoes and in a hoodie and I had to get 45 minutes to get somewhere, I did it. And I never let myself stop. I never stopped putting one foot in front of the other, even though I felt like I was going to die. It didn't matter. Never mind that I was withdrawing from heroin. <laughs> Throw that in there as well. But that was probably the driving force that kept one foot in front of the other. But I did it. No matter what I did, I did it. And I'm here and I'm going to do this too. Um, I'm going to turn my life into something beautiful. And I feel like I have, well, I know I have but I feel like there's more. 
and I always want more. And I don't want more materialism. Like, that's the last thing. I want more love. I want more community and I want more connection and I got to build it and I got to think outside the box and I got to put more energy into myself in creating this new business, um, which can ultimately help other people. That's everything that I, I, I accumulate will just go back to the people of the world and other parts of the world that aren't as fortunate as we are to make money. So that's, that's my motive. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't, popularity and this kind of thing aren't, aren't really for me. There's, it doesn't matter. I just want to talk about how I feel and, and inspire others to do the same and, and grow a community of like-minded individuals so we can stop doing this shit. So we can end this cycle of pharmaceutical drugs and going to jobs every day that only teach us one little aspect because we are so much more, man. The human mind has a capability to obtain and retain knowledge that's just incredible. It's just that we've been programmed to do something different and we've been told that we're only as good as that job or we're only as good as a limited belief. And my whole objective is to remind you to believe in yourself and believe in heights that are beyond achievable because they are. And my life's a wonderful example of that. So I'm very grateful for my life and I'm very grateful uh, for everything that has happened in it. And I'm very grateful to be here today and, and doing this. And I'm grateful for you for listening. I mean, if you're listening to this, I love you for that. Like, it, it's just, it means so much to me to have other people listen to the story. But I'm going to step this up. I've been saying I was going to step it up for months. But, you know, there's been things in my life that haven't been aligning. And I can admit that, you know, and, and some things are working out to align. So lots of changes happening. And I just wanted to get on here and like, talk a little bit about what happened, where I'm at, and just life, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I really appreciate you so much. And I want you to appreciate yourself. Like, it's okay to do that. It's okay to look at the positives that you've achieved in your life. You know, I've had many negatives in my life, but I, I choose to see the positives these days. And even when something negative happens or, or I learn a difficult lesson, you know what? I always find the education within it or I always look for the positivity because that's my role. Like that's that's what I can do. That's That's something that I can control. So I don't allow other external sources for me to dictate how I think and how I feel. I choose that on my own by removing those external sources from my life whether it's people whether it's media outlets whether it's television whether it's you know whatever a job or you know a, a city for example like the city's not working for me i'm moving it is what it is right we got to do these things in our life if we want personal growth and we want to grow and i want to use my life as an example so that i can inspire many people to do this on their own i just need to get better at the delivery uh and better at the distribution which i'm going to do for sure so much love. Uh, my social media is the YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok is re at Real Talk for an Unreal World. My Twitter is Real Talk, the number four, Unreal. And my Gmail is Real Talk for an Unreal World at gmail.com. Uh, I've been asked to speak at a, a conference again, uh, Niagara Falls, on Thursday and Friday. So we'll be speaking to some professionals about uh, mental health and addiction within government programs. And I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, so we're making moves, making, making moves in this life, which next step is the schools for sure. So much love. Love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends.